It really is. If you have the word of the Lord with you, turn again to Ephesians chapter 1. Last week we went, we were going over verse 13 and 14 of chapter 1. We got pretty much done with 13, so we're into 14. But I'd like to read 12, 13, and 14 again. Paul writes that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance to the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Now, this is one of the reasons why I like the book of Ephesians so much, that he really goes into it uh, not really deep that we can't understand it, but deep enough that it helps us to look at things and realize what he's talking about here. You know, and in verse 12, when he says that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. You know, Paul realized that it was not only him, but all of us and into the future and everything that we. So Paul's saying that I need to be to the praise of his glory and you need to be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. If we look back on our lives, we can see and we know that when we first trusted in Christ. And that uh, wasn't it that we were to the praise of his glory? Because he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So we're sitting there and we're, we're praising him and we're saying, we, we just want to praise you, Lord. It's not bad to sit and raise up your hands, Brother Roger. You know, I know some people think that, you know, when you get people in these Pentecostals or whatever and different things, but you know what? We should be to the praise of his glory. You know, the Bible says that we should lift up holy hands. Lift up holy hands. Praising him for his glory, for the goodness of him. Well, I wanted to go to 12, and we're going to go a little bit over 13 before we try to to get into to 14 a little bit. But if we look in 13, it says, in whom ye also trusted. Now this is the same trusted that's at the end of verse 12, who first trusted in Christ. You know, that's in, I looked up the word, um, ah, trusted, excuse me, believe in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of. So when we first trusted in Christ, we believed in his reliability. We believed in his truth. We believed in his ability. When we look at that, you might think, oh, that's kind of strange, the ability. But it, it's, it's his ability to save us to the uttermost, as the Bible says, and strength of. You know, in our weakness, he is made strong. When we look at this. Remember in the Bible, it says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He does all three of these things because we can believe in his reliability that what he says he's going to do, he's going to be able to do. When he says, I will leave thee nor forsake thee, 
we know that he is reliable enough that that's true. That he's never going to leave us or forsake us. You know, we look at it, he, like I just said, he's the truth. And his ability, his ability, it's just awesome. And the strength of, isn't this when we look at that? It's amazing as he's going on and on and on in here. And he looks at these things and we can see these things. You know, the Gentile believers, the Ephesians, that's whom Paul is now addressing. You know, we look at these things when we can see. When we heard the word of truth, the gospel, isn't it awesome when we see these things? The gospel of our salvation. Looking at some of the things that I wrote down from last week. The salvation by Christ of his, and here we go again, I wrote this down, of his ability and willingness to save. So it's not only his ability, but his willingness to save those that are his. Those that are his. I don't remember which one of the gospel is, but all that the Father giveth me shall come unto me. This is Jesus speaking. All that the Father giveth me shall come unto me. And all that come unto me, what does he say, Brother Roger? I will lose not one. I will lose not one. We sing that song, the 90 and 9. The 99, what does he do? He goes after that one, doesn't he? He goes after that one to bring him back. Of his ability and willingness that he goes out and gets that one, puts him upon his shoulder and carries him back into the flock. It's just amazing when we see these things. You know, when it talks about in whom also after that ye believe. In whom also after that ye believe. The working of Christ upon the heart in the regeneration. That's where it all starts, Brother Roger, in the regeneration, the new birth. You're born again. What did Jesus, Jesus, who, who was he talking to back then, Roger? He was talking to Nicodemus, who was part of the Sanhedrin. Nicodemus, go back and read that. He did what? He came to Jesus by night. Because he didn't want anybody to see that he was going to talk with Jesus. And Nicodemus. And the one thing that we can get out of that is, Jesus says, marvel not, I say unto thee, you must be born again. And Nicodemus was kind of like, well, how can I go into the, to the womb and get born again? And Jesus says unto him, you're a ruler of the Jews, and you don't know what I'm saying? You know, how are you going to teach the people? How are you going to teach him? Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Believed to the saving of our souls. Isn't it awesome when we can see that? Believed to the saving of our souls. You know, the Bible says, make your calling and election sure. 
We talked about that. We read over that. His commandments are not grievous. Remember we talked about that. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. And right in the very end of verse 13, you're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The Spirit Himself, that Holy Spirit of promise, the Spirit Himself, and that as a Spirit of promise, so called because He is the Spirit of promise, being sent by God and Christ. Being sent, that Holy Spirit. It's amazing when we look at these things and see these things. That Holy Spirit of promise, we're sealed. We're confirmed by that Holy Spirit of promise. It's awesome when we can see these things. We were coming in. I can't remember exactly what we were listening to, who it was that was speaking. And they were talking about Jesus, how he said, if I go not away, I cannot, in our Bible it says, I cannot send the comforter unto you. I can't remember, darling, do you remember what the word he used? Cannot send the comforter, what? The helper. I cannot send the helper unto you. Now I think there's a lot of difference between a helper and a comforter. See, that's what I, that's what I tell you about. The King James Version, I, I, can't, I, I don't want to keep harping on it, but it's so descriptive for us. I was, I was listening to somebody says how it, it's, it's colorful. It is colorful, isn't it? These words, you know, I cannot send a helper unto you. It's the comforter. He's here in this world. Don't we need somebody in this world today to give us some comfort? Because it's a crazy world in which we live today. That we have that comforter that comes unto us. So now we drop down to verse 14. The apostle Paul continues writing and he says, we got to understand, I want to go back and I want to read that it says, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. That earnest is like a pledge. We're going to get into that a little bit more. But when we realize that, that the earnest of our inheritance, you only get an inheritance because you've been, we've, got adopt, we've been adopted into the family. Verse 4 and 5. According, excuse me, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Let's go on and read verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he, God, hath made us accepted in the beloved. I'm telling you, this is why I love the book of Ephesians so much. You know, so he's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. But there's more to that just being chosen in him. Chosen in him. So it comes with some benefits, doesn't it? And if we look in verse 5, we're adopted. 
He's not only chosen us in Him or predestinated us that we should be holding without blame, but He's predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself. That we're, we've been adopted into His family. I believe, Roger, that's where you get brothers and sisters in Christ. Because we're adopted into the family. We're brothers and sisters with Jesus Christ. Isn't that, isn't that amazing when we can see that? That he's looking at this, he's adopted, we've been adopted. Because we're adopted, and we're, we now what? We have an inheritance. Inheritance, uncorruptible, undefiled, which fadeth not away, which reserved in heaven. Reserved in heaven for you. Now we make reservations at a restaurant, don't we? And sometimes we're there on time, sometimes we're not there on time. But here, it's reserved in heaven for us. We're not going to be late for that, Brother Roger, not at all. We're going to be on time for that. And it is amazing when we can see these things and look at this. Okay, earnest, I said we were going to get to that, so let's go for just for a second. An earnest is part of the purchase money or property given in advance as security for the rest. So I've got, I've got some things I'm going to go to later on, which is the earnest, it's the pledge. It's the money that's put in place for us. The earnest of our inheritance until the redemption. Redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. We've been purchased. We've been purchased, and it's going to be redeemed also. I wrote down some things. We have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, haven't we? He paid the price. We sing the song. He paid the price, didn't he, for us. It's the price that we could never, ever have enough money to pay for. There's a lot of rich people in the world, and they think they can do an awful lot with their money, but there's one thing they can't do. They cannot buy their way into heaven. Not at all. Got a lot of people, got a lot of money. It used to be that if you were a millionaire, you were doing pretty good, right? No, that's not good enough. If you ain't a billionaire, you ain't nothing. I'm waiting waiting in my lifetime to see if people start getting a, a trillion dollars. But it doesn't make any difference. We've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And I said, Jesus paid the price. I wrote it down. Like I told my wife, I says, when, I, when I'm studying for a message, I kind of got to spread out a little bit. And as I, I do some things, I got a small pad of paper and I got a big pad of paper. These things, the notes I have here written on a big pad of paper, that's my final kind of like, and I kind of set that. And then the small pad of paper, when I have thoughts come into my mind. Sometimes I forget things real easily, it seems like. So when when a scripture or something that might be in the Bible or something that I've heard and whatever, I, I write a little note on the side, so that I go it. And then when I get everything, then I kind of go piece it all together and do it. Sometimes it might take me one day. Sometimes it might take me two days. 
depending on how much time I can spend, to go on and to look at this thing. You know, but we look at it. You know, Jesus paid the price. We are redeemed, redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. And who is the Lamb? Jesus Christ. The Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. He's there, he's there for us. So he's, we're redeemed, the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. You know, we have to understand, Adam sinning in the Garden of Eden, that didn't take God by surprise. He knew it was going to happen. He had that plan of salvation already in place. Who was with him? Who was with him at the foundation of the world? Jesus Christ. All you've got to read is the beginning of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And who's the Word? Jesus Christ. And the Word was God. Because in Matthew it says what? His name shall be called Emmanuel, which is what? God with us. God with us. Redeemed by the love. The redeemed of the Lamb. We are redeemed what? From sin, Satan, and the law. We have been redeemed from all of these things. Sin, because without the shedding of blood is no remission of sin. Jesus shed his blood for each and every blood-bought child of God. Sin. We're redeemed from Satan. All we've got to do, let's go to chapter 2. Let's read a few verses in chapter 2, starting at verse 1. And you had the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Stop. Who is that? Who's the prince of the power of the air? Satan. You get a gold star for that answer today, Brother Roger. (laughs) Satan, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past and the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, there's my favorite word, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. By his grace you are saved, by his unmerited favor. So, we're, we're saved from sin, we're saved from Satan, right? Redeemed from sin, I'm sorry. Redeemed from Satan, and we're redeemed from the law. Redeemed from the law. He's broken down the middle wall of partition. And that goes back to, remember what happened at the crucifixion? What happened at the crucifixion? The veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. Now, it was unlawful for anybody to look in the holiest of holies. The high priest only went into the holiest of holies once a year, not without blood, which means he went in with blood to atone for the sins of the people. Now, nobody could even touch in the holiest of holies, was the Ark of the Covenant. And that's where the high priest would commune with God sometimes. 
Remember, a long time before that, there was a battle, and the Philistines, the Ark of the Covenant came in to the camp of Israel, and the, the Israel just shouted for joy because they thought, we're going to win the battle because the Ark of the Covenant was here. The Philistines were scared to death because they heard this and they said, the Ark of the Covenant is with them. So that's no good. But remember, Israel rebelled a lot against God. They lost the battle. The Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant. I was talking to my wife about this the other day because I'm going to go on a little bit. Bear with me a second. And so they had nothing but problems and troubles all the entire time the Ark of the Covenant was in there. And they finally decided they were going to send it back to Israel. And it went back there. And when they went to take it and try to get it back to Jerusalem, the two cows stumbled. And the ark kind of was going to fall off or whatever. And the one guy touched it. And what happened, Brother Roger? He was killed. You, you weren't, if you weren't one of the high priests or whatever, you don't touch that. They did that. So what I was bringing up to my wife was that I believe it says back then that the Philistines looked in there. Well, they touched the ark. Why didn't God strike them dead? I guess that's one of the secret things of the Lord that we shouldn't worry about, should we? But what I'm trying to get back to is that the veil was rent. The law was done away with. The sacrificial law. Let's, 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 let's differentiate. The sacrificial law was done away with Jesus dying upon the cross. So we're saved from the law. We no longer have to do those sacrificial, ceremonial laws anymore because we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and he died upon the cross for our sins. There's a lot of people don't believe these things. We believe in these things. We are redeemed from these things. Isn't it awesome when we can look at it and see this? which is the earnest of our inheritance into the redemption of the purchased possession. When I was looking at and looking at Gil, just on this verse here, the Syriac version reads, until the redemption of them that are saved. It's the same thing, isn't it? The purchased possession those are the purchased possession. Jesus died for all of those that the Father gave in the purchase possession. But I kind of like that. Until the redemption of them that are saved. Saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 8 in chapter 2. For by grace are ye, what? Saved through faith. We talked about faith. Saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
Now, just that one statement there, Brother Roger, but I don't think it's just that one statement. It's not of works. It's not, any, it's not of any effort on our part to be saved. Lest any man should boast. See, there's so many people, so many religions, so many churches in our area here that believe it's your works that get you into heaven. It's not that free grace. I don't know how you could separate the two, Brother Roger, in these two verses. That not of yourselves, it's not of you or anything you can done. It is the gift of God. The free gift of God, that free grace of God. You know, so many people don't fully understand that. I know that that you can turn any verse into mean what you want it to mean. You know what I mean? But you just you can't you have to compare scripture with scripture. And that's what's wrong with some religions. They don't compare scripture with scripture. They take little snippets of the Bible to prove what they believe in. And what have, what have I said? You have to take this whole Bible as it is. You can't take little snippets out of here and say, this is what, this is what we believe in, but that's what so many religions do. And then they try to Teach for doctrines the commandments of men. So it's, it's hard. You know, some, some churches believe in baptism by immersion, a believer's baptism. But then some of them, it's, it's kind of like they, when a baby is born, I can't remember exactly what it is, they kind of bring them in and kind of just, they don't baptize them. They don't do any water. It's just kind of... I, I, what? There we go. Thank you. You and Susie at the same time. They dedicate them. They dedicate them to the Lord. That's a man-made thing. I don't think you'll find it anywhere in the Scriptures. I charge anybody here, if they can find it in the Scriptures, that it's okay to dedicate them, then I'll say I'm wrong. I don't think you're going to find it. When we talks about here, unto the praise of His glory. Unto the praise of His glory. Now, I wrote down some things. This is all from Gil. i got to give credit where credit is due, Gary. I can't take credit for these words I'm going to read. Gil wrote about this. The glory of the Father by whom the saints are chosen and predestinated and to the glory of the Son by whom they are redeemed in whom they obtain the inheritance and in whom they trust so to the glory of the Holy Spirit by whom they are sealed and who is their earnest for he must have his share of glory in the salvation of the elect, as well as the other two persons. Now, who are those other two persons, Brother Roger? God the Father and God the Son. 
you know, we can't, you can't take the Holy Spirit out of it. He's part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So he should have his share of the glory. I can't glory in any of this. I can't. Roger can't. None of us can glory in it. But he, as the Holy Spirit, has to share a little bit in the glory of what he accomplished. When we look at these things, let's kind of take this a little bit, a bit by bit, what, what Gil wrote here. Um, I love reading Gil. I love looking at it. He really brings things out. And we've got to remember, this was, what, 400 years ago? Might be me over 400 years ago. So many people look at Spurgeon. I, I believe, and I, I might be wrong, that I believe that Gill was the preacher of the same church right before Spurgeon took over the church. So when we look at it, it's the glory of the Father by whom the saints are chosen and predestinated. Chosen and predestinate. Look at Romans 8. If you want to turn there, you can turn there. Romans 8, I'm going to start reading it at verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Remember we talked about the free grace. Look at verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That free grace of God. So we can sue, we can see that they're chosen and predestinated. And to the glory of the Son by whom they are redeemed. We're redeemed by the blood of His only begotten Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To the glory of the Son in whom they obtain the inheritance. Remember, we talked about it. We talked about it in Ephesians. Predestinated us unto the adoption of children in the inheritance and whom they trust. Who do we trust in all the time? Don't trust in me. Don't trust in Leroy. Don't trust in Roger. Trust in Jesus Christ. Trust in him. He'll never... He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll always be there for you. So to the glory of the Holy Spirit by whom they are sealed. We're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And that's where he gets his share of the glory. Isn't it awesome when we look at these things? And we can see these things. And when we realize we're talking about Gil 400 years ago, when we're looking at these things were written here, 
It was over 2,000 years ago. Over 2,000 years ago that these words were written down. When we look at this, I mean, excuse me, we're looking at a printed Bible. Back then they didn't have the luxury. They didn't have the luxury of having a Bible in their hands. They were written by scribes and different people. That we can see these things that happened over 2,000 years ago. Don't believe, don't believe Satan when he tells you that this is nothing but a story. That none of these things ever happened. That's just like people trying to convince everybody that uh, the Holocaust didn't happen. We know it happened. We've seen the evidence of it. You know, don't let him sit there and tell you these things didn't happen. Jesus Christ didn't die upon the cross. There's no evidence of it. We have the evidence right here. What happened? That he died upon the cross for our sins. And we will ever be thankful to God for his plan of salvation and what he did for us. Continue to read the Bible. Continue to study out the Bible. And remember what I said, slow down. Slow down and read these things. Read the scripture, read good books. Brother Jimmy in the last podcast brought out about Some letter, I can't, I wish I could remember the name of the guy. I should have wrote it down. I'm, I want to reread that because I want to go in and, and read this letter. And he said that whatever this, this letter, whatever it was, was on the Mount Zion Primitive Baptist Church website. So, getting away a little bit, you know, our, our website is an invaluable resource for us to go and read and look at some of the things that are contained in there. If you haven't, look at it once again and get in there and look at the things that are there. I hope what I've said today will help us out in the world, help us to understand the things that are written in the Bible as we try to expound upon that, Brother Roger, Brother Leroy, and myself. I thank you for your kind attention this morning. Does anybody have a song in closing?